this is a beginning point. It's the beginning of the rest of my life. I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby. And welcome back to the Gold Jacket Podcast, proudly sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. I'm your host, Gymnastic, and you can find me on Twitter at Gold Jacket QBs. I am joined, as always, by the other host of the show, Connor Donald. You can be found on Twitter at Connor10, and we are proud members of the True North Fantasy Football Network. Make sure to check out the entire network on Twitter at True North FFB. YouTube, if you're checking us out right now, you know where we are, TNFF Network. And on the internet at truenorthffb.com. Our newest platform, you know I haven't figured it out yet. It's Instagram, truenorthffb. You can find articles, rankings, podcasts, streams, and so much more. Welcome to the week 10 of the NFL season. We have a very special episode for you today featuring a special guest who is a proud Canadian fantasy football content creator. We will be talking about his goal line guide. Then we will talk Tuddy or Muddy bringing the latest boomer bus games and whether they will stick or not. And then I will go bananas. Had a little bit of a dry spell there on Sunday, but we're going to look to get back at it with my favorite prop name of the Thursday night game, which I am currently 18 for 22, 23. Sorry. And if you've been watching the show or following me on Twitter, we'll wrap it up with fool's gold and gold. And then we'll give you, sorry. And we're going to give you our week 10 starts and sits. But first up, Connor, what is happening? I didn't realize Golden Fool's Gold was such a tongue twister, but <laughs> ah. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, man, I, I'm pumped. I can't believe we're over halfway through the season and we're marching through bye weeks. This is crazy. We were just talking about we were just all fighting over what beat reporters were saying and, and what preseason games were showing us and now here we are week 10 barreling towards the playoffs so we won't waste time talking about what what was and what might be we're gonna get right into it um like you said jim we got special guests coming on with us tonight um he's part of the full press coverage team you can find them on twitter at fp underscore coverage on twitter and fullpresscoverage.com he does work with the full press fantasy team and the full press packers team and as jim mentioned he's also in all the canadian group chats we got going and he created the goal line guide that we're going to discuss tonight that is kyle senra at senra says on twitter what's up kyle connor jim great to be here uh one more plug i'll, I'll give myself a part of the going for two live network as well uh, we go live. Uh, there's on the Going for Two Live Network. There's shows every day, but in particular, I co-host the Monday Night Show. Uh, we do a pregame show before, right before the Monday Night Football game. We talk a lot about the injuries from that week and, and uh, just the repercussions before previewing a little bit of the Monday game. Uh, maybe not quite as prolific as you've been, Jim, going bananas. <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, this week a special edition. Not every Thursday we've done this in season, but I'll be co-hosting a Dynasty Gambit as well on the Going for Two Live Network. So that's uh, this Thursday, uh, November 11th. So check that out. I think it'll be at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, just talk Dynasty fantasy football. So yeah, a lot, lot of fantasy football to talk and, and write about. 
I love it, Kyle. And definitely there is so much to talk about in the fantasy football world always. But I mean, don't don't be afraid. No, no, there is no shameful plug in on this in on this show. We try and plug everything we possibly can when we talk, bring something up. So good. Glad we got that all out of the way. Now, let's dig into the most important part, and that is the goal line guide. Um, I've seen it from a, on a weekly basis. You share it. I check it out. Um, and you approached us talking about it and, and kind of gave us a sneak peek at the week 10 look so that we could kind of talk about it. So I'm pretty excited to talk about it. We love talking about new tools out there in the fantasy football world. Um, so first of all, introduce us to what is the goal line guide and uh, why did you create it? Yeah, so uh, I guess uh, I'll start the why I created it, right? And yards and predicting receptions and like the, the work share opportunities. And one thing everyone always says, oh, touchdowns aren't sticky, right? But are are they are they more predictable than what we believe to be, right? So because they're they you know touchdown production usually does skew a lot of times fantasy matchups. The you know, players that score more, that's usually a big boost in scoring. I know with all the you know half point PPR, full point PPR. And I've seen some great leagues where those numbers get a little inflated too at certain positions. But, you know, even with those inventions in fantasy football, still touchdowns are a big factor on, on determining success every week. So that's kind of what I've been just trying to do with this was, can I find a way to better predict where touchdowns are going to come from? And that was kind of the original inception of the idea of, of why I decided to create this. And I've been tracking a lot of individual player red zone and uh, usage, especially uh, for running backs, carries inside the five. Uh, and then, so looking at the data, I, I, uh, I kind of take a look, like, what what are the, like, how much more productive uh, are players and, well, and teams in general inside the five-yard line? And that's kind of where I consider, like, the goal line, right? Within that that five yards between that that last stripe, the five-yard line, and then the, the goal uh, line right at the start of the end zone, right? So I, anything, any opportunities from within there. So passing attempts, rushing attempts, and I've kind of, and I have divided it up uh, to you know represent both, uh, kind of make sure to separate that, and uh, just to see how efficient teams are doing that. But also a key part of this is uh, matchup dependent on a weekly basis. I also want to know how good the opponents are at defending plays from inside their own five yard lines. So that's what the combination is. Uh, and in terms of how effective it is, and I guess this maybe enters the next question you're going to ask, but. Uh, I'll state it here. Uh, so so far this season, uh, looking just at the red zone, so plays from inside the 20-yard line, 18% uh, of rushing attempts have gone for touchdowns. 24% passing attempts have gone for touchdowns. So 18 and 24% from inside the five-yard line, those numbers go up to 44% on rushing attempts and 49% uh, passing. So especially running, it really boosts up. But we're, you know, talking certainly double the chances uh, of touchdowns getting scored. So it's, again, it's, the key is looking at that production from plays that start inside the five-yard line. I love it. And listen, before Jim asks his question, we are one of those shows that proudly touts almost on a weekly, if not multiple times a week, the touchdowns are a sticky stat. They should not be something that you live and die by. So, uh, yeah, Jim, what's next? Well, as, a, as you say, like touchdowns aren't sticky. And as we do say that, I do want to preface that by I think it's more definitely not sticky, like season to season. Like that's something like when people are looking at, oh, this guy scores 13 touchdowns. Oh, that was mm -hmm. last year. 
you can't count on that like this year. I get what Kyle's going with where maybe we should adapt it to defenses have sticky touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like they allow certain, I think, because we had a guy on here just quick though. I know I'm I'm right on it. We had Chase Vernon. I really think that your goal line guide along with his uh, dosage can go really hand in hand together and looking at the best offenses to attack uh, against the best defenses that give up those yardages, but that's not neither here or there. We want to ask you, Maybe I just kind of did uh, answer myself there, but how can this help <laughs> fantasy managers give them give them a little bit of an edge uh, going forward? Yeah. So in terms of how to help, I'll explain kind of like how I calculate it. So what I do is I take a team's like rushing efficiency. So again, and this is all from inside the five yard line. So a percentage of the plays they've run uh, that go for touchdowns and the same thing with their passing efficiencies. And then I look at their opponent for that week and do the same thing defensively. Uh, and then I, I average those out. And then I also, what I want to do is take into account some of the numbers that already exist. Uh, the Vegas or the, the odds makers uh, projected implied totals. So I, 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 I use those to kind of incorporate. So to kind of differentiate where, the, like the like like the likelihood of a t- of team scoring points because that's where we think the touchdowns are going to come. I know one thing in the in the goal line guy because it's uh, again part of it is aside from the implied totals is based on percentages. Some teams like a couple weeks where the Jets have been really high because they have efficiently on them. So I know there's still a bit of massaging to do, and I think part of it is understanding where the touchdowns come on a large scale from teams. And then I think uh, using the goal line guide parallel to individual stats. And I, I get a lot of my red zone and goal line stuff from uh, four for four. So they've got a bunch, they've got a couple of uh, stat sheets listed where it shows players uh, attempts, pass attempts, uh, targets, uh, rushing attempts, and then rushing attempts inside the five. So they've got all that broken down. So I find using that, knowing which individual players are getting the, opportunities and the looks with the goal line guide to see which teams are more likely to score. I think that's kind of in combination how fantasy managers use, or at least how I've been using it so far. I love it. Great, great information there. Um, I guess we've kind of alluded to this uh, earlier. Um, Is it used mainly for season long or are you able to start bringing this information into maybe the dynasty space and being able to kind of not fully predict, but maybe kind of point people in a direction from a dynasty perspective, or are you still working on just settling the season long ambiguity first? Yeah, I think it's right now we're just playing the weekly game, but that is certainly something maybe partially inspired by this question. Uh, kind of look to at the end of the season, kind of do averages with teams, kind of what was their average goal line guide per Per week and just kind of see like you know because it is fluctuating every week where where teams are ranked because just as it's just as much weighted on the team as it is on their opponents so it is going to cause those fluctuations but yeah i think maybe something to take away is okay which teams had higher guides and maybe just also as a, a way for me to look back is how effective is this like am i having high goal line grades and teams aren't scoring i have noticed a few times where oh yeah this player was struggling but they have a good high uh goal line grade and then 
oh, suddenly they, it broke through. So I've had a couple weeks where it's okay. This this validates that this works really well. Other weeks where oh yeah, no, this is they've got the highest goal line grade, and I think it was the Bucks one week, and they didn't. They they ended up scoring all their touchdowns on the ground. It was supposed to be like, oh, this is gonna be good for the pass catchers. Brady will throw like four or five touchdowns. I think they, he didn't throw one. Everything was on the ground. So we also had some weeks where it hasn't worked so well. But yeah, looking at it, I guess dynasty wise, it, um, I think the the Jaguars are a team that surprisingly their rushing goal line grade has always kind of been fairly high. And I've noticed uh, football outsiders there. Uh, they've got a bunch of good metrics. What uh, they've got good offensive line metrics, and what I've noticed is the Jags' offensive line this year really good. I think they're top uh, top ten in both run and passing uh, efficiency from from the offensive line perspective. So that might be something long term. Looking at both James Robinson and Travis Etienne. Okay, maybe the no, we're not we're not crazy about the coach, but at least that offensive line seems to be performing right now, and that's something that they can kind of build around. And uh, hopefully, it uh, especially Etienne helps him when he comes back next year. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree, especially like it's tough to dif- differentiate it in Dynasty because so much changes. Defenses change, offenses change, coordinators change, coaches change. So I understand that that definitely could take some work for sure. Jim, got another question. Yes, I do. Sorry, Connor. I am a little hectic over here. Um, so we want to know what are the favorite teams – that people should be targeting players on based on this goal line guide. I think it's a lot of the times that the higher scoring offenses, again, in part partially because I'm inputting, you know, the weekly implied totals for every week, generally the, the higher scoring teams are going to uh, grade out. Well, uh, one thing that maybe was not as certain this year. Okay. Justin Herbert, for instance, like, like okay, great rookie season, but what's the second year going to look like? And so far he seems to kind of level off as, as a top 10 quarterback almost every week. Uh, certainly by the end of the season, I think that's, that's where he is in points per game right now. He's, he's top 10. So uh, that's something where maybe like long-term, not just the, the main pieces for the chargers, but the secondary pieces like, like uh, the young Canadian kid, Josh Palmer, um, you know, the tight ends, Parham, you look at about those guys long-term, that might be the type of offense where you kind of want all the pieces of, even even the peripheral pieces, that their efficiency is high enough that even if the, the targets aren't there, it's an offense that's going to be scoring a lot. And uh, they definitely have been, uh, like, they, like their, I think, uh, rate for going on forward on fourth down is, is one of the highest in the league. Uh, so just an extra pass attempts, uh, sometimes extra possessions that in that case, if, if they do succeed and seem to have been. And notice their, their passing goal line grade has been up there most weeks. This week, it's not so good. Uh, and I think a lot of that is matchup based. The the Vikings have actually been pretty good defensively, especially passing the ball. So that's one where the, it, it dipped a little bit this week. But uh, uh, for most weeks, season, the Chargers have been up there pretty high. So that's definitely a, an offense I think uh, you're going to want to build around kind of like I think a good example like uh I guess the the Packers last couple of years right everyone's been trying to guess so who's going to be the number two receiver there right? and then you, know, you try and buy as many of those guys cheaply like I feel like the Chargers might start to be that especially like we'll see what happens with Mike Williams I think that's a big question mark if he's leaving or in free agency or not but uh, yeah Chargers definitely an offense I feel comfortable investing in now is this guide something that so i'm gonna say i'm gonna focus real quick on like james connor like when you when i think of the five yard zone i think that's james connor's bread and butter right i mean this guy's got i think seven touchdowns in the five um 
So he would be a guy that I would probably target going forward. But if he had a matchup against a stout run defense, would this deter you from actually using him or no? Because it's such a short area yardage of work. Regardless. You mean you and mean you like this week against Carolina? That is exactly what I'm getting to, Connor. This week against Carolina. <laughs> uh, actually, the the goal line grade he's about an average uh, grade. I think this week the average for rushing is uh, 67.5, and then the the Cardinals are at 75.5, so a bit above average. So not so bad. Um, the Panthers have allowed a rushing touchdown on 43 percent of the of the runs against them inside the five yard line. So uh, it's not the worst in the league, but there's certainly more stout defenses and better ones. And I think I might, I might get to that in the fool's gold later. Uh, but yeah, I think, I, I don't think you'll ever bench like the, the big star players that maybe it's avoiding DFS more than anything. That might be where, where, where the one application of, of like where to target and where to like, like avoid certain players. And that where you have the whole field to choose from. Uh, it's kind of maybe like, again, it might be just another, I feel like a lot of shows talk about this, right? just another notch in the tool belt of what are the tiebreakers, but when you're making those starts to sit decisions, this is just one extra thing that I, I use to, when I'm making my lineup decisions, I can use another spreadsheet for that. You spread it all over the place. I love it. I, I think that's great too, because obviously if there's one thing we're learning from giving advice in fantasy and analyzing fantasy, you're not going to likely sit someone you drafted in the first five rounds. You're likely going to roll be. those guys out every single week, no matter the matchup, no matter what somebody tells you. So obviously no, no guide or analysis is going to change that opinion. Um, Kyle, any, anything else you want to add before we, uh, move into the rest of the show? Because as you know, uh, when you join us to talk about something exciting, like the goal line guide, you get to suffer by joining us for the other half of the show as well. Oh, I don't think that's suffering at all. I love talking with you guys and <laughs> I love listening. Yeah. You guys provide a lot of good insight, but like, just to, to speak to that example, like the Panthers this week, I think have the, they have the lowest, uh, rushing goal line guide. A goal line grade of the week not benching christian mccaffrey might be okay i'm not going to play him in dfs this week but like that, like that's what we're you know i'm st- I, I have to check my rankings but i still think i have mccaffrey as a top five running back this week and again and and it's understanding what this represents this is touchdown chance so the guys that catch a lot of passes if they have like especially from a running back perspective those ppr backs you're not as worried about this like you know weeks where i've seen deandre swift have a low rushing goal line grade sometimes makes up for it with the Lions have a high passing goal line grade and thinking he might actually be more likely to catch a, a touchdown than than run one in so just understanding that the, that context I think is important I love I like it that. that is awesome so make sure you check the goal line guide out Kyle can you just give us a URL where you could find this before we move on yeah, so that's on. It'll be on fullpresscoverage.com, like you mentioned. Uh, it usually comes out uh, Thursday mornings. Uh, this week, I may try and get it out quickly, uh, maybe tomorrow for for everyone, just because I have to here. Uh, but yeah, look for either Wednesday nights, Thursday mornings. Uh, yeah, um, in terms of yeah, I guess the, at full press coverage, it should be on the on the home page and uh, you uh, the full press coverage fantasy account. That'll definitely tweet it out as well at fpc underscore fantasy pod. Uh, so yeah, look at either of those places. I'll probably tweet it out myself as well. Uh, at center says, 
Love it. So moving onward, we go to uh, what has become a staple on our show, and that is Tutty or Muddy, where we're looking at some of the latest trends, booms, busts, whatever they may be, and trying to help you decipher it in season long and in Dynasty, because of course we're a Dynasty fantasy football podcast. And I want to start with, first off, uh, a guy who is doing a lot with a little, and that is Olamide Zacchaeus of the Atlanta Falcons. He's played 40 to 40 and 49% of snaps in the last two weeks, which actually ranks third among the wide receivers over the last two weeks in Atlanta. In those two weeks, he's only second to Russell Gage in per game average at 11 and a half points. Last week, three targets, finishing with a three for 58 and two line. Is he worth a look? rest of season to get through buys um he does face three teams in the bottom 12 against fantasy wide receivers although the run does get pretty tough at playoff time for him and in in dynasty are you really doing anything with him or is it more of a wait and see approach with the whole situation with calvin ridley or is it just uh sell them now get rid of them now dump them now if there even is people worrying about him in dynasty um we'll start with you kyle yeah, I mean, I think until Calvin Ridley gets back, one of the big questions are who's going to be the number one wide receiver and and like official position wide receiver for the Falcons. I mean, that's that's uh, it's not, it does seem a little bit of a, of a of a like a rotation there where it might not be Zacchaeus every week. Some weeks it might be Taji Sharp, other weeks it might be Russell Gage. I mean, maybe he'll never be the number one guy there, but it seems like he's got like a consistent role. So. Um, in terms of the, the matchup, it's it's funny because this would have been maybe considered a, a more difficult matchup, right? The Saints defense has been pretty good, but he managed to produce well. So is that a good thing or or is it going to be one of those reverse things where he's the guy you targeted when they're in quote-unquote bad matchups? Maybe his you know body skill set allows him to, to win in tougher coverage, whereas against easier coverage, maybe it's the guy like Tajay Sharp just finds a way to get open more easily, and that's to target if it's an easier matchup i don't know if if that's getting too like meta into the game theory there but uh i i think he's i think he could be playable on, on some weeks but you know they're gonna end up with weeks where he's probably gonna finish as a you know outside the top 50 and it's all about your risk tolerance i think at that point with receivers right like which ones are you willing to to play every week even through the bad games and he may not be one that necessarily has that so it's probably still about being selective where the matchups you you want him in Definitely. What about you, Jim? Um, listen, man, if somebody in your league wants him and you just happen to end up having him in a deep waiver or a deep league stash, you get out from under him for whatever reason. Who's their wide receiver one, officially or unofficially? It's Cordell Patterson. I think he actually has the wide receiver tag still. Who's their RB one? It's Cordell Patterson. I mean, nine years in the league, the guy's finally fantasy relevant, and I don't believe in him whatsoever in dynasty purposes, and I'm selling him too. But that's the guy. Who's your tight end one? Cordell Patterson. It's the only guy on that team going to do anything. Um, uh, listen, man. No, I'm I'm not buying him. If, if I ended up getting him like on the cheap, I mean, like on the real cheap in dynasty in the twentieth round, I will take I'll take a fucking third round pick for him at this point right now because what was that guy's name in Philadelphia Connor that everybody thought was crazy not to sell for a second round pick 
a couple Jordan years Matthews. ago. I forget, his, I forget his name. There's been so many of them in Philadelphia. But <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're kind of preaching to the choir. I think I heard um, similar statements about Jalen Regra at the start of this year, and if you didn't sell him, you're probably hurting for it right now. I have him on a lot of teams, and I still have his signed jersey in the basement, and I still believe in him. <laughs> um, but that's but that's the deal, right? Like, um, you have certain windows to sell fantasy relevant guys. Some of them are bigger than others. Some of them you get the whole season to do it. Like twenty twenty one, Cordell Patterson, you have a whole season to get out from him. Sometimes you only have a few weeks. Zacharias feels like it's only a few weeks to me. And if you can get a better return, and I mean a third-round pick for a dart throw on a guy, because what is he going to give you? Are you starting him ever with confidence? You said he popped off last week. I'm sorry, man. Three catches for 58 yards is not that becoming. Two touchdowns saved his day. And touchdowns are not sticky. So (laughs) I'm, I'm not staying with it. I love it. Not yeah, the goal line guide was pretty brutal for them too. Their goal line grade last week was pretty bad, so it wasn't even that predictable for him to to score that well. No, well, exactly. I don't think anybody was going to call that. The only thing me and Jim were calling was be careful with Kyle Pitts. But outside of that offense, it's like, you, who are you going to trust honestly every and single week? And listen, it's not like he got peppered with like eight to ten targets and only caught three. He only got three targets and he caught all. <laughs> like that was it. If he drops any of those passes, he is not fantasy relevant. And nobody's going off the wire bananas for this guy to get him off the wire. So let guys spend their fab if that's what they want to do in season long. If you're I mean, pressed up against the box and you need some guys for for waivers, um, Actually, check out Connor's article. When Connor, when's that dropping? When's click click bait dropping? Every drop? Thursday morning. Bam! See, there you go. He's got you covered, and I bet you who's not on that waiver article article is Amadia Zakaligas, whatever the hell that guy's name is, because I cannot pronounce it. Hundred <laughs> percent. If he is, he's probably in the boom part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we do have some way sexier wide receivers to talk about this week, and we're going to start with uh. Donovan Peoples-Jones. OBJ is gone, and the wide receiver two spot is up for the taking now. It may not be a sexy spot, but DPJ has managed back-to-back top 24 finishes. That is obviously with a gap of two weeks in between because he was injured. Um, but he's also got 70 yards in three straight games. Is Donovan Peoples-Jones worth a look in Dynasty? Let's start with you, Jim. Uh, yeah, I do. I do think he is worth a look in dynasty um his price tag is going up though i'll tell you that as you put it out i believe it was a couple weeks ago connor where after what do you have like a a crazy zacharias game with like 100 yards and two touchdowns on like four targets yeah i think think we talked about we brought we had him on toddy or muddy and i said give him a couple weeks obj comes back but instead, OBJ yep. came back. He got hurt, so he missed two games. But I said, give it time and buy him because OBJ will not be here in by the end of the offseason. And, well, lo and behold, it was way quicker than that. But, okay. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I'm getting to, Connor. Um, you called it. You called it 
right off the bat there a couple weeks ago. So people were listening. They didn't go out and overspend on him. They didn't go out and trade for him. They actually waited those two weeks. They saw him get injured. They probably bought there on that dip just before OBJ gets released, and they got a little bit better value for him. Um, I do think I think he is an excellent metric wide receiver if you're a metric mm-hmm. guy he's got the size he's got the speed he's got everything that you could probably want um big play on the field happen. tape wise he he has what it takes like not don't look at his college tape where shea patterson tanked his fucking draft value don't did it to nico did it to dpj just don't look at that but like look at what he does on the nfl field on the nfl level to nfl cornerbacks and he passes that test to me. So having a quarterback in Baker Mayfield, who I think is a little bit better than average. I don't think he's upper tier quarterback, but I don't think he, I think he could do a lot worse than Baker. Um, Having him not have OBJ there anymore. You see him play differently. You see him spread the ball around. You see him have a better, a better um, looks like an understanding of the field without OBJ, without having to try to force him or anything like that. And I think it's only a matter of time before he ends up locking on to another true number one. And that's, I think, going to be Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think Jarvis Landry has always been and always will be suited for uh, a Robin role, if it were, uh, a very good compliment piece. Uh, but he's not he's not an alpha, not not on a, not a, not a true dog, I would say. Um that's going to go out there and high point balls and, and muscle out um, safeties or, or outrun or just manhandle linebackers. You know what I mean? Like he's not, he's got a specific role and he's Mm -hmm. not what I would call a team's number one. Just like I wouldn't put Cole Beasley as a team's number one guy. He's a guy that does a purpose and does a job and does, does a Robin role. But what that team does need is an alpha and it clearly was an OBJ, but I do think Donovan people's Jones could be it. So if you can get him on the cheap, or you got him on the cheap because you listened to Connor right there a couple weeks ago and you waited for that price dip, I think you have a very good guy in the making, similar to Michael Pittman, right? And everybody mm-hmm. was kind of sour off Michael Pittman off of a rookie year when he got a shot. Now everyone's seeing what he can do. Give him some time and let him develop, and I think you got yourself a stud in, in Dynasty. So I think he's a tutty. Sorry for that rant. Kyle, what about you? Well, I think with Peoples-Jones, like, I don't think he's commanding a second yet. Like that's one where if you sent that, that probably gets accepted automatically and you'll get him on your team. If you, if you give up any second. So it's, you know, managers might not be willing to sell for a simple third. So then it's, it's trying to get creative, you, you know, a third and another receiver back uh, like Zacchaeus. <laughs> okay. Maybe that doesn't get done either, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, a third, I don't know. Um, let's go a little higher. Um Someone who appears to maybe have the upside, but you're not sold on, but this one's a better one. I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example. I don't want to say Jalen Rieger and, and totally uh, break your hearts, guys. <laughs> uh, but hey, no, on, it's, on it's the... all good. It's, it depends on who you see as a perceived equal, but the rest of the market sees as a dip. That's the way mm-hmm. I say to go, which is totally different for everybody. You have to – people have personal preferences on what type of wide receiver they even want or or even uh, player value. You don't even have to go wide receiver. You could be going like, um, like well, up until a couple weeks ago, 
you could have got like Jordan Howard thrown in for deals now, right? And now he's a guy in season long that might be able to push you for a couple more wins into a playoff spot. But like that, like guys that you think could be on the up and up that or Demonte Freeman. Oh my God, that sounds gross to say. Um, <laughs> um, but, in other uh, positions. On, on, on the note of Donovan Peoples-Jones, like Anthony Schwartz to me would also be a good buy. Just that same type of uh, deep threat. Uh, like those are going to be like the field stretchers. When they catch it, it'll be high high vol or um, high value type, types of targets, producing a lot of fantasy points. I think he'd probably be even cheaper than Jonathan Peoples-Jones at this point. And I think, yeah, both are pretty solid buys. I love it. Uh, great thoughts on that one. Next one is a way more obvious one, but I, I have a more deeper question on him, and that's Cooper Cup. He's currently the wide receiver one on the season. He's finished top 12 in seven of nine weeks. He was a wide receiver 26 in 2020, 15 games. He was kind of banged up uh, last season. Wide receiver four in 2019, and that was in 16 games full health. Is it time to respect Cup as not just a top five, tw top twelve wide receiver, but maybe a top five wide receiver in Dynasty? We'll start with you, Kyle. Yeah, so I think yeah, top five wide receivers in Dynasty. I think at the very top, I mean, even though he's a rookie, I think Chase has already kind of played his way up into that top five. Uh, I still probably would say Tyree Kill is the number one Dynasty wide receiver um, after. I mean, after those two, I think you know, Jeff Justin Jefferson seems pretty locked in there, value-wise. CD Lamb, DK Metcalf. I think that's kind of where, you know, you can maybe. I'm going to say no. I think I think he's just outside there. But maybe you could sell someone on like a, you know, a, you know, wide receiver four, wide receiver five, if they're not so sold on Metcalf or Lamb or or Jefferson or maybe even Chase. Right? Like it feels like those guys are, are so young and already producing, and, and like their values are. We're already at, at such a high point that I don't see Cup, at least from a value perspective, uh, out, you know, getting higher than them. Because I mean, production-wise, he's the wide receiver one this, this year, right? Like, like we 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 like if he was ever going to be a top five dynasty wide receiver, it'd be now. And I still don't think that's how he's perceived. What about you, Jim? No, um, like Kyle said, I he's not perceived like that in my eyes. Uh, I was always kind of off him, thought he was a little bit too old when he came into the league. I'm a little bit of an ageist there when it comes to, to the wide receivers. But even from a dynasty perspective, like, I don't know, man. Like, I would probably go off the top of my head, Diggs, Hill, Metcalf, A.J. Brown, fuck, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. I'm at six already. I'm not even really – thinking that hard about it and he's not coming to think and like another thing is he has a guy on the other end of there that can do damage and robert woods he's a guy that's a top 12 wide receiver too and i'm sorry like getting it's the same reason why i don't have evans and godwin in there as my top five i don't have them as top five dynasty wide receivers and they both feast evans feasts he never gets under a thousand yards godwin's producing they were actually both top five at one point what was it two seasons ago they were both top five wide receivers like and they're still not dynasty top five and they got they had a quarterback that actually produced that um this quarterback isn't producing two top five wide receivers it the pendulum is going to swing in, in robert woods's favor at some point 
It's not always going to be Cooper Cup. It's never, and then Van Jefferson's uh, emerging too. So I don't, I don't see him as a top five. I'm naming other guys that do command target share on their teams with solid target share, not you know twenty or not uh, under twenty percent at all. And that's not something that I solely can rely on Cooper Cup doing, especially going forward with now you have Henderson and what we believe to be Cam Akers in there. Uh, I, just, I don't, I don't see the the production value coming long-term for him. It's a good, it's a good ride. He's a guy where I'd be looking to, to also move laterally in dynasty for, you know, the wide receiver six right now. I don't know who that is right now, but you know, if you can get like a wide receiver six in a late round second, why not? That's, that's, and we saw types of moves. two years ago, like we Connor was mentioning, I think it was 2019, it was the wide receiver four. He was the wide receiver one for a good chunk of the start of the year and then kind of fell off at the end. It so far seems like that isn't going to happen. Like he's kind of maintained it freakishly somehow. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, that could, that could very well be. I mean, you know, he could still finish the year as the number one receiver and from this point on might be, you know, the, uh, you know, the wide receiver 12 from this point to the end of the season, but still have enough of a gap that he's created up to this point to finish as the overall wide receiver one. So just because he's been that good up to this point doesn't mean that he's going to be the best in the playoffs either. Yeah, just to add on to what you guys are saying, Cooper Cup is currently the wide receiver one at 235 points. Tyreek Hill is second at 185. So he is considerably up in that regard, about 50 points up in that regard. Um, but, I mean, like you talked about trading down, like Devontae Adams is a wide receiver five, Marquise Brown wide receiver six, um, wide receiver seven's Michael Pittman. Like you could make lateral moves. All right, moves. don't do the wide receiver six then. Like yeah, I don't said, do the I'm wide receiver not. six. But you could make <laughs> lateral moves downwards. It's been a weird year for fantasy. So don't say the wide receiver six, but you can see the direct. Stefan Diggs is currently, I think he's outside the top almost 24 wide receivers right now. And like you can that, look that's at that one, 26. That's what that's a great one, Connor, because that's one where like they're, they're, they're like on that, like they're close to the same age. So it's not even like viewed as like a like a, like Diggs's value will be that much more inflated because of his age. Uh, you know, it's last year's production versus this year's production. So you're probably getting something added to Diggs. If you're giving away Cooper Cup, so that, that would be a good target. DeAndre Hopkins, maybe if you think he's going to come back healthy towards the end of the year, that's probably one where it's a, a mm. decent enough disparity in price right now, where you're getting Hopkins and another really solid starting caliber piece. Like, would you get Hopkins and I AJ like... Brown, or not AJ Brown? Sorry, Marquise Brown for for Cooper Cup. I wonder if that's possible. See the one I'm I'd be looking to try to get one of the, the wide receivers, especially if this is dynasty. Uh, I'd be looking to try to get Deontay Johnson plus for Cooper Cup mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. He's he's one of the guys that I think you could definitely get it done. I think he is on the same level with Cooper Cup talent wise, and I think you can get a lot more added to it. And and I don't think you're losing too much in in the wide receiver position there. Yeah, I mean when Good you point. look at the when you look under wide receiver like right around twenty, you're looking at Hopkins, McLaurin. Diggs, Amari Cooper, Deontay Johnson, AJ Brown's even down there right now, but he's trending way, way up right now. Um, Devonta Smith, Darnell Mooney. There's a lot of different, lot of names that are not necessarily lateral, but you could get throw-ins, you could get pieces. Like, there's definitely a lot you could do. Um, and then we gotta, we gotta think about like how much of it is like Matthew Stafford. 
how much like we have to understand like and like you said jim next year daryl henderson has played himself into a role whether cam Akers owners want to realize it or whether rams owners in general would like to realize it daryl henderson has played his way into a role and he is going to take from people and one thing he can do, he can pass catch. And likely Cam Akers will be the running back and Cam Akers may be more the receiving back, which then bring, begs the question of like, how much does he play into some of these wide receivers and what they the looks that they've been getting this year? Um, next up, I'll do, we'll do a quarterback and then a running back. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts started out as a really bad NFL QB. I can speak from experience as an Eagles fan, but a great fantasy asset. Seven straight top 12 finishes over the last two weeks. He's improved as an NFL quarterback, but he's become a meh fantasy asset with a QB 24 and 12 finish. With the rumors currently swirling around about Hurts not being the guy in Philadelphia paired with the shift in offense, is it time to get off the Hurts coaster? We'll start with you, Jim. Uh, yeah, it totally is time to get off the Hertz roller coaster because it hurts so bad. Um, <laughs> I don't listen. I know that fourth quarter two minute points are points, and I know that they get you fantasy wins, but what they don't do is transition well into off season value. They don't. You want to know? Ask guys, ready? Ask guys that are that held on to, to Drew Locke last year and said, oh, he's young, he can maybe improve. Ask them. Ask them what they're doing with him. Actually, I'll tell you, because I'm one of the guys. He's currently sitting on my bench hoping to God he gets another shot before I end up dropping him. And I, I'm not doing that. Like, listen, fool me once, shame on me, or whatever the fucking sentence. Who cares, man? you got to get off from him. The writing's on the wall. This organization, prior to the writing being on the wall, has been notorious for, let's see, unwrap our shiny new gift, under the Christmas tree, play with it for five minutes. Ah, this kind of sucks and throws it out and dings it. Um, and that's what, and they always get quarterbacks for Christmas. That's what they seem to do. They always want a brand new quarterback. Ah, it was a new quarterback. They get it. They play with it. They see it's not what they actually thought it was. And then they chuck it and like, man, Connor, you fans are fucking vicious when it comes to immediately turning on guys like six, seven games into the year. doesn't matter what they look like or what they do. Like you, mm, Jim, Jim right I now, do want to there's say nobody's Donovan McNabb. Nobody. Okay. You're, it's you're, over. You guys listen, lost them. It's done. Your reference about a child's toy is disrespectful because we are a quarterback factory. We produce them on mass. Mostly because we draft and miss on them on mass. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I remember on the Gold Jacket podcast during the offseason, I said the best time to sell probably was during the offseason. The best time to sell was probably week seven when he hit the peak. That was the peak. That was seven straight weeks of being a QB1. But at any point between the offseason when he was announced as a starter and week seven, you, you had to start selling because... I was warning. I was warning of this as an Eagles fan. People would turn. People would turn. There was rumors of, you know, the Russell Wilson sweepstakes, the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, the Philadelphia Eagles always front and center in those sweepstakes. I'm sorry, but Jalen Hurts is not going to have this job next season. And it depends on where he goes and who wants to take him. But if you think of a team like, you know, the 
the the Texans, they don't want Tua. They don't even want Tua. They're not going to want Jalen Hurts in a deal as their future starting quarterback. So if the situation's starting to look like that, I don't I think we're looking at more potentially a perennial backup with Jalen Hurts than an actual starting quarterback. And if you're still riding the roller coaster, you better hurry up and get off. But what about you, Kyle? Yeah, I think you just you just spelled out the biggest fear there. What if the Eagles like him enough to want to keep him, but still not, not enough to not make him the starter next year? And he's like the he's the long-term backup. That just kills his fantasy value. So yeah, I think that's the that's the ultimate like like floor. Like that's what the bottom is, is that he might not even start, um, whether it's for the Eagles or any other team. So I think that's yeah. Um I mean again, you could do it, you could trade him for straight picks, I guess in a, I mean in a single quarterback league, he's probably not even worth much anyway, to where like like his trade value is so low that you're you like you might just write out that production, but like in a, in a super flex dynasty league, I think that's, yeah, that's been the unfortunate thing is it, it's kind of been touted as well. Like you've, you've touted it, Connor, but you've not, not been the only one. A lot of people have been kind of saying like, he's been a sell all, all off season anyway, ever since the Carson Wentz trade, really people were, you know, this is the time to sell hurts now that, that he's been like established as the starter for this year. And everyone has that perception that he'll be that for the next couple of years. So it's tricky because I think so many people know that that risk, um, um, you know, especially for, I think what you're trying to do is you're trying to sell them to a team that is going for it now and kind of going all in and not so concerned about their future. That's probably how the, that, where they'll give the best value because he, like you mentioned, Connor, he's producing so well, uh, seven weeks, the season, he was, he was a QB one every week and no one else, no other quarterback had that in those first seven weeks. So you could kind of sell someone solely on the production. Uh, for a championship run. But yeah, I don't think many rebuilding teams are looking to get Jalen Hurts at all. Like it. And uh, one more name for me, and then Kyle, I'll let you run in on Mike Gesicki for a minute. James Conner. Conner's the RB11 in PPR right now, coming off that monster 40-point effort uh, where he was 21-96-2 on the ground and added 577-1 and one through the air. Two different directions to go here. Season long, I'd probably be holding on to him. He can be a darling and a league winner, especially with the Chase Edmonds injury, high ankle sprain, likely out four to six weeks. Are you prepared in Dynasty to ship him off with A, the explosive game and touchdown output, plus B, the opportunity? Um, I posted a tweet. They had kept him at around, I think is 46% snap share, likely for a specific reason. And he's actually at a career low 3.9 yards per carry. But everyone's riding this touchdown train. So, Kyle, what are your thoughts? Yes, it's funny because uh, I've you know I've got Connor in quite a few leagues. I invested pretty heavily both in redraft and in you know picking up in Dynasty over the last couple of years. Uh, I was dirt cheap this off season, so it was a great time to actually buy him a, a ton. But yeah, this this weekend, my my biggest concern was what do I do with James Connor? What do I do with Christian Kirk on all these teams? Not sure if Kyler Murray was playing. I had a ton of teams with both those guys. Uh, in one league in particular, I have been trying to sell Connor for you know, last couple of weeks and, uh, you know, hard pressed to get a second. I'm going to try and maybe respam the league for that, that exact offer. See if I can get a second for him. Cause up to this point that that's been pretty stingy on, on people wanting to buy Connor with, you know, the, now the knowledge that Edmonds might not play again for the, at least for the fantasy season. Uh, and, you know, 
people may be more willing to invest. I think, you know, even in a super flex league, if I get a second, that's kind of where I'm looking to get, get out from. Because I don't, even with this, I don't think anyone's getting a first, uh, giving up a first anymore for James Conner. I don't think that's, you, you might get that in one or two leagues. So, you know, do try perhaps. But I think for a lot of leagues, that's not even realistic at this point, even with Edmonds out. What about you, Jim? I think you nailed it. I think season long, he's a darling. I think even in dynasty, the guy, okay. 3.9 yards of carry season or you're saying career average though. Well, the dude only gets five yard carries. All right. Like the most he can have is five yards at attempt the most. All right. All his attempts are coming within five yards. This guy's got like fucking seven touchdowns in there. I was joking around. It's the James Conner zone. Um, yeah, it's a great time to end up selling this guy because he is um, crazy efficient when it comes to touchdowns. This might get him a shot because what's he got? This is his only year, right? Arizona can let him go or, or he walks next year. I mean, yeah, so, one year contract. Yeah, it's yeah. a one year contract, right? So he he can he can walk next year. So <clears throat> listen somebody is going to give this guy a shot solely based on this usage solely based on it, whether it's only to come in as their goal line guy, their big thumper. And it's just a team that consistently gets there, but he's going to get another shot in this league. He might not be um, the lead back going forward, but this is a great time. This is your other buy window. This is your, or sorry, your sell window. It is wide open for you right now. Um, they Kyle said there was people hesitant with James with uh Chase Edmonds still there. Would he get the role? I was a guy in season long earlier on, I would have gave you the second for him, absolutely. Because you could see, regardless, he had a role, so I didn't care if Chase Edmonds was the between the 20s guy. Go for it, rack up 100 yards that's 10 points. Give me two touchdowns in the five yard line for six yards, and you just gave me 12.6. And this offense gets there, though. That's the difference. This offense consistently gets into that five-yard zone. So that's can, a can good buy for me. Last year. Yes. Yep. It's the, and it's not just – yeah, exactly. It's not just this year. This isn't some fluke from this year. This is a good fit. I actually hope to God they keep him on another one-year deal because that second-round draft pick that I'm happily giving up, especially if I'm a contender, that's going to be what? The 12, 12, 10, 12, 11, 12, 12, hopefully is what I'm hoping for, giving up for him. That's great. That's absolutely great for me on the, on the hit rate for that. To be able to get a guy that can score touchdowns on a team that I don't care if he can't dipsy doodle out of a phone booth. I don't need him to get 1,400 yards. All I need that offense to do, buoyed by Kyler Murray and New Hopkins, is get within seven yards. I'll give him seven, even outside the five. Just get within seven yards and give James Conner three shots at it. He's hitting all it. about the tutties. <laughs> I love it. We have one question before we move into Kyle's uh, tight end to talk about. Do you guys think Devontae Adams resigns next year? Um, this is from our boy Cooper Shambrax. Um, first of all, I don't think it matters if he resigns, no matter where he goes. Devontae Adams is a top 12 wide receiver he should be seen as that he should be respected as that um apparently he may not be quarterback proof especially if the quarterback is Jordan Love or Sam Darnold or someone of that sort but 
I don't think he resigns. I think the last dance is as real as it gets in uh, Green Bay right now. I don't think he resigns. What about you, Kyle? You see, I almost think he follows Rodgers. If Rodgers decides to come back, he'll come back. If Rodgers leaves, he'll go. So I think he might be tied to a good quarterback no matter what team he let, he goes on. Um, in terms of quarterback proof, I mean, he made it work with Brett Hundley. So I don't think it's – like if he had, it was had to stay with Jordan Love, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world uh, either. I, yeah, I think he's that good where he might be quarterback proof. It didn't look like it this weekend, but uh, no. <laughs> Give the kid a break. It was his first start. Like it's probably not going to get ever as bad as as is in the, in the first start. You'd hope if uh, players can learn. But yeah, I think I'm kind of fifty fifty, and I think it really is depend on what Rogers does. I think he, that's going to de- determine what Devontae Adams decides to do. Agreed on that point on uh, Rogers. What about you, Jim? Anything, Dad? Uh, I don't think he resign or resigns. Um, I would love love to see him go to New England. And sign there with Mac Jones, I would love it. I would absolutely love it for all the heartbreak of the Bills fans to see Devontae Adams and in that Patriot silver. As much as I don't even like the Patriots, that would make my heart content. <laughs> love it, uh, Kyle. One last thing you wanted to talk about: Mike Kosicki and Teddy Ormuddy. We touched on him a couple weeks back, and we actually asked the main question. And maybe this is a good way for a good segue for you. Do you include him in the tier two of tight ends with the names like Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, Noah Fant, etc.? So, Kyle, floor is yours. Hmm, that's interesting because I've, it, you know, if you ask me my tier two of tight end, I don't think I put any of those guys except Mark Andrews in that tier. I kind of view him kind of above all those guys like Goddard and Gesicki and, and Fant. Who's your tier so, one? Uh, we talking redraft or dynasty? I guess it's probably the dynasty. Uh, yeah, so Pitts will be up there. Um, and then yeah, Kelsey Waller Kittle. Like, I still view that as one, one big tier. And then probably, probably Andrews alone, uh, Andrews Hawkinson in tier two. That's probably how I would go about it. And then yeah, so I, I'm not quite ready to put Gesicki in that 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 tier yet. Um, you know, last couple weeks, three catches, four catches. I mean, the yards, yards has been there. Uh, to, you know, to his credit, I think that's that's kind of his thing. The athleticism, like he can kind of make the most out of the out of e- the, the, in terms of yards out of each catch he gets. Uh, but I think it, I'm kind of leaning more muddy uh, dynasty wise because of a lot of not so much him, but the uncertainty at quarterback for the Dolphins. I mean, he's a he could be a free agent next year, right? I mean, the Dolphins could decide to to let him walk, and then. Then it's dependent on okay which teams believe enough to to pay him and, and make him the, the the top tight end or is it just going to be you know is it going to be a muddy situation where he's stuck as kind of like a, a committee tight end approach so I think the the floor with with Gesicki dynasty wise could be lower than what people expect um, I think at the at the ceiling like on on a weekly basis I think you know people are right to, to kind of value him as a top twelve tight end. Uh, and, and I would continue to as well. I just, I guess I just view everything past the top six is not that important. I'm not as, I'm a little lower mm. on everyone that's below tight end six than consensus. Absolutely. I, I love the take there, especially um, continue to value Gesicki that way because it's an extremely volatile position as we've talked about in the past. I mean, I tweeted about it or, uh, uh, yesterday. The Los Angeles Chargers had three top 12 tight ends. Like 
that's disgusting to think about. That is how volatile the position truly is. You can have three tight ends from one game be in the top 12. So, um, but before we move into going bananas, we are going to get a quick word from our sponsors at Viridian Global. Here at the here at the Gold Jacket Podcast, we take family very seriously. We know that family doesn't always stop at the bloodline. It's a word that ensures trust. It's a word that, well, around here, means that I know that I can count on you to have my back. Viridian Global is family. A family of the Fantasy Collective. And that is the exact reason Viridian Global will have your back. And I don't just mean literally covering your back in the best apparel they can possibly outfit you in. I mean at every step of the way, from finding the brand that fits you best to tracking your order to making sure you are fully satisfied at every step. With over 50 brands a part of the Fantasy Football Collective family, what are you waiting for? Join the family now. VeridianGlobal.com I love it. So beautiful, Jim. Chick, I just got my Slim Reaper shirt today. Fresh off uh, a great performance from our rookie wide receiver one, Devonta Smith. Um, but Jim, this hat, this shirt, got oh, fishbowl shirt, like oh, tons, of, tons of great reading gear. Everybody's rocking it tonight. Jim, you're hitting at 78%. Um, we're going to write off Sunday a little bit. It was a bit of a family day. You were telling me it's all good. We got to put the family first. But now we're here. We're on the podcast. It's time to hit it for Thursday night. Jim, what do you got? Man, I just first I do want to apologize. <laughs> So I didn't even end up watching any football. Like you said, it was a family day. But that family day was also facilitated by uh, somebody stump grinded my bell line and cut it at 1.08 p.m. So <laughs> I couldn't have watched football anyway. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, I stupidly picked a team that was a high-rolling offense on Sunday, and they combined for five field goals and zero touchdowns, so nobody danced in that Duval and Bills Mafia. But we're coming back. It's Thursday. I don't feel as bad as when I have to pick a Jets game on Thursday, but this game is not really giving me the 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 warm and fuzzies. I actually had to take a Pepto-Bismol looking at this. It's the Ravens who thank God it's the Ravens at least and the Dolphins because uh, I might actually surprise somebody here with, with the, my Ravens pick. We're going for 1.5 touches into the dance and we're going with, I know it's not 2017 or 2015, whatever year this guy broke out, but it's Devonte Freeman. This guy has scored in the last three weeks and I expect him to keep scoring because that Ravens offense is high flying and could put points on the board. Lamar Jackson is proving to people that he's not a one-dimensional quarterback, myself included, where he's a run-first offense. It might still be a run-first offense, but even forced too fast, this guy can pass, and he can get them close enough to get Devontae Freeman into the dance. The other guy that I'm going to be taking, I'm going on the other side of this, is the guy that Kyle was just touting about. Mike, one-hand grab, don't call me OBJ Gasecki. And this is a guy that I think can get into the paint. Last time he ended up playing, uh, last time he ended up playing Baltimore was in 2019. So no Tua Tonga He had six targets for two receptions, 31 yards, and no touchdowns. But with Tua throwing a little high and flighty, I think he can get into the end zone with another one-handed grab above a nice CB. So I think it's going to be Gasecki. I think it's going to be Freeman. I get to pick one other guy to go in there into the paint with him, and I'm not picking a Dolphin. 
I'm picking my young emerging star from last week. If you guys were paying attention, I said there's a new sheriff in town. His name's Reggie Hammond. No, throw out the bat symbol. It's Rashad Bateman. When you need a touchdown, throw out that Bateman, throw out the bat symbol, and Bateman's going to end up catching it for you. Just, just a matter of time. No longer am I believing in that tier two tight end that Kyle just touted, Mark Andrews. He was too touchdown dependent, and I don't think the touchdowns are very sticky towards him because there's a new big man in town. Like I said, it's Rashad Bateman. But regardless, he's a bonus guy in that touchdown dance because I think you're going to get it with Devontae Freeman and Mike Gusecki alone. That's how I'm rolling. I love it. Make sure you go to monkeyknifefight.com right now and uh, use the promo code TNFF and get a deposit match up to $50. And uh, join Jim in going bananas. The, the hit rate's pretty nice. The total dollars in your pocket coming towards Christmas time is pretty pretty penny I, I don't even think we can call it a penny it doesn't exist anymore it's a pretty nickel it's pretty nickel so <laughs> make sure you uh check uh that out at monkey knife fight and uh jim will post these probably thursday morning when he posts the audio for the show he'll drop yeah, this and then, in uh, picture form make sure you're following me on sunday because i do like to end up dropping them down i do apologize about this sunday i picked the bills mafia didn't end up coasting through i ended up being a little late because I wasn't watching the game. So I didn't even realize that the four o'clock games were ready to bounce. So I didn't even end up putting out my, my dance for the four o'clock games, which was the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I screenshot it and showed you Connor where the timestamp was. I didn't end up tweeting it out, but my guys in that, and it would have hit was James Connor and the motherfucking Brandon. Ayuk, who got into the paint, called it with him, but I ended up going with the Rams, and that didn't end up panning through either. So, again, I apologize. It took a big L on the Sunday. But be watching for me on Gold Jacket QBs. Sunday, I usually drop uh, one or two 1 o'clock games by 11, 11.30 once I know the inactives. Then I usually end up dropping one or two 4 o'clock games around 2.30 because I usually end up hitting before halftime, which is crazy. And then I end up, if we're really rolling, hitting one, <laughs> hitting one on uh, Sunday night at around uh, 7 o'clock. So, like I said, keep keep your notifications on, and I'll be dropping them out. Love it, Jim. Now, finally, gold and fool's gold. We're going to give you some starts and sits. It's going to be me and Kyle going rapid fire on this one. I'll kick it off. We'll kick it off in the quarterback department with gold. I got – oh, this is disgusting. I got Derek You're Carr. not disgusted by saying it. You lo- you're looking – you got a huge smile. You want to say it. You've been <laughs> – I Go got Derek Carr. People. I got Derek Carr. I got Derek Carr. Carr's, it's Carr's easiest matchup in regards to teams against fantasy quarterbacks. The team proved they need the deep threat. They got Deshaun Jackson coming in to open up the field. The Chiefs have only managed to keep three quarterbacks under 20 fantasy points. Granted, I think those three have come in the last four weeks. But granted, on top of that, they were Jordan Love, Daniel Jones. Um, Carr has produced that number of over 20 fantasy points five times this season. Even Jordan Love mustered up 16 in that atrocity of a game on Sunday. Um, so Derek Carr for me against the Chiefs. Who do you got, Kyle? Carr is a good one. And uh, I think uh, one of the things I was going to do this week was really put the goal line guide into application and kind of like fo- you know, focus a lot on those grades. And and Derek Carr, actually, uh, the, the Raiders passing this week, uh, the fifth highest goal line grade. So if, if you hadn't put Carr on this, I might have 
taken him myself. So I definitely agree with that call. Uh, just a slight bit lower, uh, ranked eighth in uh, the Week 10 goal line grade for passing offenses is the Falcons. So Matt Ryan against the Cowboys. Uh, and you, you know, I guess the narrative there is you'd expect the Cowboys to score a lot of points and force the opposing quarterback to, to kind of keep up that. Uh, that didn't happen this week, but I mean, Bridgewater still had a good game, even if they were, were leading for, for a lot of it. I know the Dallas DVOA overall is a really good defense, but still vulnerable enough to, to fantasy production. So I, this actually might end up being another good week for, for Zacchaeus, <laughs> unfortunately. We we're selling a, uh, selling the narrative to sell him high, but this, you know, maybe maybe after next week it'd be even higher. But yeah, I, I like uh, Matt Ryan this week, and I'm not the biggest Matt Ryan fan. So I also feel a little uh, ugh, not so great, Connor, just like you about yours, but uh, they're producing uh, the good thing for Matt Ryan is he's been pr- pretty red hot. He started out super slow, but I think it's the last three or four weeks. He's actually been really good. So not a bad choice there. Fool's goal for me is Kyler Murray up against that Carolina defense. Murray likely returns from injury. Their game against a stout Carolina defense. Carolina has allowed two quarterbacks to eclipse 250 yards passing, while none have managed over 35 yards on the ground. Um, Murray has five top 12 finishes and while he could still do well, I think he misses a top 12 finish this week, um, which hurts, especially if you're starting Kyler Murray off the bye or off the injury. So what about you, Kyle? Yeah. When I saw yours is okay. My first instinct was put like something like Mac Jones, but he's probably so low that not like I looked up. He's not, he hasn't thrown three touchdowns in a game yet. Like there's probably not a lot of people starting Mac Jones. So I'll go a little bit higher on, on the list, but uh, Taylor Heineke this weekend, I think the Buccaneers, okay, great run defense, great front seven. But I think the passing defense is starting to catch up. I know in the goal line guide, like Washington doesn't grade out well, either running or passing the football. They're pretty low on both. Um, but, but I, I, you know, I think we know that about the run defense. Like, okay, I think everyone's maybe a little hesitant with Gibson this week. He's probably still probably still going to play Gibson, but maybe just lower expectations, you know, avoid him in DFS. But from the passing game, I could see a lot of people then going, okay, well, then invest in through the passing game. And and uh, maybe I think I feel like Heineke's going to be a lot more popular to play this week than, than what he should. So I think that's kind of the the best version of, of Fool's Goal. I'm looking at the top 12 quarterbacks, and, you know, I still have Murray in my top 12. Like, I get your argument, Connor, for sure, but I couldn't figure out anyone who is like in the top 12 convention that I think will finish outside the top 12. So I went with someone who might be viewed as a top 15 quarterback in Heineke this week, but, but I, I think he'll be closer to, you know, maybe he might be outside the top 20. So I think that's kind of where, how I interpret fool's goal anyway for this week with Taylor Heineke. No, I like it. We all interpret it a different way. So I like it. And I, I color me skeptical about uh, Arizona in general, because people want to see Carolina against some stiffer competition. They got a little stiffer competition. Um, and uh, yeah, so, and they've kind of withstood it fairly well. So we'll, we'll see how it goes um, in this matchup. Um, we'll move right into running back. Um, goal for me, I got Melvin Gordon. I usually avoid the Javonta and Melvin, you know, 50-50 thing going on. But Melvin has been a top 12 running back in back-to-back weeks now and gets an incredibly juicy matchup against my Eagles. Um, the last five straight weeks, Gordon has managed over 50% of the snaps, while Javonta has made, remained under 50%. He's also seen 26 red zone touches to Javonta's 15 this year, including a 12-3 to share in the last three weeks alone. 
The Eagles are coming off back-to-back weeks with RBs with running backs 15 or less points, but had allowed five such games straight prior. The Broncos love to control the time of possession, third in time per drive, and seventh in plays per drive. They will definitely be able to lay the hammer down with Melvin Gordon because color me a bit skeptical here, but DeAndre Swift and Austin Eckler aren't really like hammer running backs like Melvin Gordon. The teams that have had the best success against Philadelphia Eagles are the ones who can take a guy and drive him in their pile over and over and over again and break through that pile, and that's Melvin Gordon this week. What about you, Kyle? Look at the Eagles. You know, we're all Canadians, so uh, CFL standout, uh, CFL all-star Alex Singleton, right? I think he, he encompasses what the Eagles linebackers are. They're, they're undersized but fast. So like they're going to be able to catch the maybe the the backs that go out in space more easily, but you can kind of bully them and, and power right through them more more easily. So that is good there to kind of play mm-hmm. on the uh, the Eagles linebacking core. Love it. What about you, Kyle? Uh, yeah. So I'm actually I'll keep it quick because Jim already kind of talked about it, but it's uh, Devonte Freeman. Uh, the goal line grade 77. That's uh, just a little bit above average for the Ravens rushing, but. Uh, I, I think it's it's the touchdowns last few weeks, but it's the he, looking him looking spry. The the yards per carry, uh, five point six one yards per attempt over the last three games, uh, including uh, I had this last week. It was it was over six yards a carry. Yeah, six point zero seven yards a carry. So it seems like he's just getting better. And uh, you know, not you know up to up to the last. I guess maybe like. You know, I guess certainly like the first month of the season, he barely got any work at all. A lot of that went to Tyson Williams. So now that he's kind of rested the first uh, month of the season, now now he can kind of get into full swing, it seems. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, Freeman definitely uh, playable this week for sure. So uh, my, my goal being Devontae Freeman, who could finish as a top 20 back this week. Uh, fool's gold for me. I got James Conner and I hate to do it to old Jim because he's, he loves the tutty dance with James Conner. Um, the good, he was the golden boy of week nine, but how I feel the mighty may fall against Carolina. Carolina has only given up four touchdowns to running backs this season and Zeke and cook are the only running backs who have surpassed 20 points. Otherwise none have managed over even 15. They're only giving up 16.9 points per game to the position. Connor dominates if he gets to the end zone, but ranks outside the top 30 running backs in yards per carry and yards per touch. Connor will miss Edmonds, and Connor managers may also very much miss Edmonds, especially this week. Who do you got, Kyle? James as well, but the, this time it's James Robinson for me. Uh, I and I mean, he, we're not even sure he's going to play. So I was a little hesitant. To, uh, do I put him in here? But I'm um, just like looking at the, the fantasy pros rankings at the consensus ranking. People are ready to put him in borderline top 12 right away. Uh, he'd probably back from injury. So I'm a little hesitant. I like, to be honest, he, he and Freeman might score similar. Like I could see the top 20 there, but I, I don't think RB one is in, in the path for him this week. I think especially the Colts defense has been one of the more solid ones, uh, overall, certainly from a run defense perspective, and certainly uh, look at again back to the goal line guide. Uh, this is one of the lower weeks for the Jags. I mentioned it earlier; they've usually been pretty high up there, but at only 52, it's the second lowest uh, goal line grade for rushing teams this week. And a big factor for that is the Colts. Uh, 17% of the carries from inside the five that they, they've defended against have gone for touchdowns. That is lowest in the league. 
So uh, tied with the Browns, actually. Those are the two run defenses that it seems really tough to score touchdowns against. And I feel like that's kind of where, if Jay, like James Conner, James Robinson's going to be reliant on can he get those touchdowns or not. And I don't think this is the week for it if he does come back. I love it. Great take using the uh, goal line guide. Make sure you guys are checking it out. Um, gold at the wide receiver position. I, I took some wild shots last week with Nico Collins and Van Jefferson, and they 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 weren't great. They they didn't hit. Um, but this week, I'm going to return to the wild. I'm going with Jamal Agnew against the Indianapolis Colts. Agnew has been one of the main targets for the Jags since DJ Chark went down. Five-plus targets in the last four straight, and he's managed five catches in three of four. He's ascended each of the last three weeks prior to last week. Uh, he had three straight, three 10-plus point performances. Um, the Colts do rank fifth worst against fantasy wide receivers. They're allowing the most touchdowns to fantasy wide receivers. Um, and they have allowed a team's top wide receiver to eclipse 15 points in all nine weeks this season. So count me in on Jamal Agnew. What about you, Kyle? Well, first off, and again, it's my dislike this week for James Robinson is kind of counterbalanced the other way, like the Jags better uh, goal line grade passing. So if they are going to have success, it probably is through the air. So I do like that call for that reason. Uh, for myself, uh, I'm – this is this is definitely like maybe the opposite of you, Connor. It, it didn't dive deep here, but it's go, where with the player that, that everyone's going to be starting anyway, not not just rostered, but starting everywhere. But to me, I could see the real top five upside this week for Deontay Johnson. I do. I believe in my uh, half point PPR fantasy pros rankings. I have met wide receiver five this week. You know, great matchup against the Lions, and this is. You know, the, the Steelers are kind of that, like with, with Ben, it's one of those, even if they're up big, they'll still continue to pass. So I think the volume should be there for Johnson. Uh, in terms of targets per game, he's sixth in the NFL, 9.86 targets, so just below 10 targets a game. Uh, had the list of names ahead of him. Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, and surprisingly, Debo Samuel. I like how it's a little weird, but those other five, the other, uh, yeah, the other, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, five names ahead of him. Like those are the expected names you'd think. And for him to be again sixth in, in targets per game shows that he's getting the volume. And again, I think the matchups there this week where we could really see the, uh, the, the, the high upside ceiling, potentially multiple scores. So yeah, I've got Deontay Johnson as a top five wide receiver this week. So I think he's, he's uh, in for a gold matchup. I love it. Before we move forward, the chosen Rose has said he traded Antonio Brown and Van Jefferson for Hunter Renfro. He's nervous about Antonio Brown. Hunter Renfro gives you a safe floor. I think he gives you a safe choice as a flex option, but at the very minimum, that that that's all he really gives you. I don't think he's going to give you much of a boom game without finding the end zone. And who knows what the situation looks like with Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Jim, you've been quiet for a little bit. Anything you want to add to this trade? Yeah, I was looking at this. First, I got to know, is this redraft? It's got to be or redraft. I, I feel like it's got to be redraft. I hope. Even like well, even, even redraft, I don't like it. I don't like giving up. Listen, as much as like I think Hunter Renfro, like you said, is a safe floor, he'll probably give you insurance with his touchdowns. The guy looks like he's going to sell you a used car or house insurance or some shit. Um Van Jefferson is on the up and up right now. Even in season long, 
You got Van Jefferson tied to a quarterback with a fucking cannon for an arm. And you have Antonio Brown tied to a quarterback that can literally at any week make him a top 12 wide receiver. So for season long, I don't like it. For Dynasty, I don't like it. I think Dynasty, the piece to keep there is Van Jefferson. Mm-hmm. In season long, I think you could be selling Antonio Brown for more than Hunter Renfro, just on the name value alone and the fact that he's already boomed with Tom, or with Tom Brady. And the fact that Tom Brady can put three wide receivers in the top 12 any fucking given week. Yeah, no, I agree I with like you in, in regards to, like, Van Jefferson, do you know when you're playing him? Probably not really. You got to kind of play the matchup. Hunter Renfro, yeah, gives you the floor, but you don't want the floor. Antonio Brown gives you a ceiling. You you really want to play Antonio Brown. The concern is when is he going to be healthy? When's he going to play? I get that concern, but I don't think there was any rush if you have a guy like Van Jefferson to help hold over while Antonio Brown's out or other names like that in your lineup, I don't think you necessarily had to make the panic move because that's kind of what it feels like. Kyle, do you have any comments before we move into our fool's gold? Well, yeah, this strikes me as buying the win this week, thinking, okay, this week Hunter Renfro is going to outscore Van Jefferson Brown, who's not on the field, and it's, you know, I I need a win this week to kind of keep those playoff hopes alive. That's where this this trade makes a lot of sense because I do think – Again, we talked about the, the goal line grade for the Raiders passing. Looks pretty good for Renfro this week, who, I mean, is it, I think pretty locked in as one of the top two targets on that team between him and Waller. So, um, it, you know, you, get, you mentioned it, right? Like the ceiling's not there unless he scores the touchdowns, but if he scores the touchdowns, then he gets access to that ceiling and he, he might score touchdowns against the Chiefs. So uh, I think I like it if you're, play, if you're playing Renfro this week. Like if you're making this trade to plug him in the lineup, for this week in particular, and you need that win this week. I I like the trade in that regard. I wouldn't like it for Dynasty though. I agree. I think Je- Van Jefferson is the the best piece here, so that he shouldn't. He would be. He's up, it's on the wrong side of the two for one, right? It should be Renfro plus to get Jefferson. But if, if it's redraft, I I get Renfro as the best piece here. Like doing the two for one, Van Jefferson Brown for Renfro does make sense again from a more from a weekly perspective than from a season long perspective. And sometimes right now at this late in the season, maybe all you're thinking is one week at a time. I like it. I yeah, like that's right. I think there. you're totally right with weekly. I think you buy the highest point right now on Hunter Renfro. You have no Henry Ruggs. You just saw Brian Edwards put up a, a fucking donut. <laughs> and now you're buying at the extremely high price of I mean, Van Jefferson, like I think Van Jefferson, and Hunter Renfro, I actually think Van Jefferson on a weekly basis gives you a higher ceiling than, than Renfro's Definitely. floor. It, it almost and, sounds like you wouldn't want to give up either piece for Renfro, let alone both Brown and Jefferson. Brown, maybe, but like in a season long, maybe because well, he's, he's still in a boot. Yeah, he's still in a boot. Per, yeah, he, he, per he could very well be a zero the rest okay. of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he like, could. I think that's so, like, Brown I'm more comfortable with. But, like, in a season long, no. I I think you're – I think Hunter Renfro and Van Jefferson, you're not confident in either one really playing him as your wide receiver, unless you, like, have to start three wide receivers. Like, he's not mm-hmm. a guy I want Van Jefferson as my wide receiver too. Neither is Hunter Renfro. None of them. They're flex plays slash wide receiver three plays. And if I'm going to be doing that – I think Van Jefferson has equally the the equal floor to to Renfro 
I also don't really like Derek Carr, but um, that's just me. But I understand that Derek Carr is a good play this week. Um, I, I do also feel like if, if I feel like you could also get a different piece. Like I think like you could get a a, a better piece than Renfro for those two in season long. Yeah, uh, or get a running back thrown in as well. Renfro plus a yeah. RB. Yeah, and, there's and something per, you could do per PFF. The the Rams have the sixth easiest schedule for wide receivers, and Vegas has the twenty first easiest. So that could also play factor in that the LA Rams have a way easier schedule through the air going forward, and they like to go to the air. So, um, fool's again, goal. Is, is Renfro one of those players where the slot receiver when matchups get mm. tough, like he's the guy you go to? Is he almost the guy you prefer in tough matchups defensively? Where uh, dump like, off, like, I feel like Van Jefferson. Renfro is yeah. the guy that I hope to God you get a lot of third downs. If the Raiders are seeing a lot of third downs on drive, sure, he's going to see a lot of targets because he's the guy on third downs that he's almost automatic. You can throw it to him. You know so, he's going to catch it. You know, but I still don't like him. I st- I would still I would still rather go for the one boom big arm play of Van Jefferson for seventy yard touchdown than six possible third down plays from Hunter Renfro. And like I said, maybe a deal on my on my life insurance policy that he can sign me over to. <laughs> I don't know if you have much Renfro, but now it sounds like the time to go trade Renfro, like trade away Renfro almost. Um, Love it. I, uh, I, I guess yeah. I did do my fools for wide fools gold for wide receiver. I don't think. No, uh, it's funny, did Connor. I, you kept fire away. You go. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, sorry, you didn't know yours. Um, okay, well, I guess real quick because you've already talked about this game twice as the fools gold, but I'm going on the opposite side. Uh, worried about that Cardinals defense. Uh, for a lot of reasons, I mean, I guess for for DJ like DJ Moore, uh, maybe you're worried about more than just the Cardinals' defense as his quarterback. Uh, also, he kind of got banged up and was hurt, so I don't know if I'd be benching DJ Moore in any season long leagues. But I think he's definitely a, an avoid in DFS this week. Uh, can maybe kind of look to avoid most of that Cardinals or that Panthers. Actually, avoid both offenses in DFS this week. But uh, Darnold's been pretty bad. It's gone gone back to what he was with the Jets. 28th in completion percentage at below 60%, 59.5. 6.5 yards per attempt, which isn't horrible, but it's still 29th in the league. It's not like at the bottom of the league, they're all pretty close together. But still, 29th, not great. 2.3% touchdown rate. That's atrocious. That's awful. I think that's uh, where things come in. Like you look at the goal line grade uh, for the Panthers, they have the lowest grade of any team, whether it's running or passing their grade uh, for their passing game is at 31 this week. It's the lowest for any team in week 10. And I think a big factor for that is Darnold just really hasn't been throwing the touchdowns at all. Uh, He's been running more, more in. So um, yeah, I, I don't, I have DJ Moore outside the top 12 receivers this week. I think I might even have him outside my top 20. I think I've got him as, uh, uh, you know, still top 24, but I think 22, 21 maybe. So, yeah, I'm uh, definitely, uh, you know, not, again, not advising to, to bench him, but if you have better options, it might be uh, the week to do it. Yeah, I definitely, I don't know if it changes your opinion, but I was looking at my phone and there was an update that came across my phone. Sam Darnold is likely to miss this week. He has a fracture somewhere in his shoulder. Um, so it looks like PJ Walker may be a go, but that may likely still leave him as fool's gold. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know that Walker's that much better. It probably boosts. I mean, he might get into the top 20 now, but I don't think I'll put him in the top 15. <laughs> uh, fool's gold for me. I got Adam Thielen against the LA Chargers. He's got touchdowns in six of eight weeks, but the overall receiving work has been pretty spotty with five weeks at 50 or less yards. Um, he also has seven plus targets in all but one game. The Chargers do rank second best against wide receivers, but without their two top cornerbacks last week, they did allow 22 points to Devonta Smith. Prior to that, they allowed 15 or more to a team's top wide receiver only two times. And Smith was the first one to get over 20, but they were missing their two top cornerbacks. Um, they also have only allowed four touchdowns to the wide receiver position. Smith's this past week was the first in two games. So I got Adam Thielen there. He seems pretty reliant on the touchdown. So I'm going with Adam Thielen for fool's gold there, especially if they even get one of those cornerbacks back. Tight end. Uh, gold for me. I got Noah Fant or Albert O. Albert o. Um, I would probably, if you got one of them, I'd probably play him play either of them uh depending Noah fan should be back from his COVID stint Albert O depends on the injury that he does have he got banged up the Eagles allowed three top 12 tight ends last week like I alluded to earlier fans should be back hopefully Albert O's injury isn't serious and there could be a real chance of two top 12 tight ends coming out of Denver this week the Eagles give up the most points per game to tight ends at 19.4 they've also allowed at least one tight touchdown per week since week three Plus, they're riding a four-weeks streak straight of a tight end scoring 12 or more PPR against them. Uh, what about you, Kyle? Yeah, I like those. That'd be one where, you know, I think I have fat in my top 12 now, and if he goes to miss, I'd probably just put Okwebun on right in that spot. So, yeah, I do like that call. Uh, but someone I, I like even more than both of those is Dalton Schultz. Uh, again, I've established, okay, it's top six tight ends, and it's that's pretty firm. I think I've got Schultz at seven this week. Uh, I like the Cowboys uh, to rebound as a team in general from from what they, they showed last week. Did kind of come out of nowhere. I mean, it seemed like it was also – that was such a strange week all over the NFL, so maybe maybe you just chalk it up to that and they're back to their normal you know, top five off offense here in week 10. So it's – you want tight ends in those types of offenses that are going to score a ton of points. I mean, you look at the Vegas implied total, 31.25 points is the highest this week. Right? What do you want? But but the the projected highest scoring team, that's that's the offense is where I do want to invest tight end. Uh, Jarwin's on IR, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. So last week, this week, and next week at the very minimum for sure. So – uh, Schultz should see all the tight end work there. So yeah, I really like Schultz this week as a gold tight end. I like it. I went on the other side of the ball in this Denver Philly matchup for fool's gold. I got Dallas Goddard, um, on the other side of the ball. Uh, the Broncos are without top cornerback Patrick Sertan, which opens up a potential another Devonta Smith game. Broncos are allowing the second least points per game to the tight end position at 8.0. Waller and Andrews remain the only two tight ends who have managed to get over 10 in a game. And five of nine tight ends have actually only have actually managed less than five points. So I think that's just an extremely difficult matchup. And like I said, may open up Devonta Smith. And it seems like they've found a have a newfound approach uh, with leaning a little more on the run game with Jordan Howard and uh, Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, basically Jordan Howard in some sort of mix. Um, so Dallas Goddard fool's gold for me. What about you, Kyle? It, my fool's gold kind of goes with my fool's gold at quarterback, which was Taylor Heineke. And I think uh, for tight end, it's uh, Ricky Seals-Jones. Just uh, again, 
same argument. Bucks defense is really good. I'm afraid for the the points totals. I feel like McLaurin might be the only pass catcher that like you're really confident playing this week from Washington. Uh, there's also the fear for seals jones in particular i mean i'm sure washington would love to have this happen of course but uh logan thomas could uh, be returning from injury this week which basically takes away ricky seals jones role like that's almost one where because he's not really blocking he's either the like and i think we've seen this before in ricky seals jones crew he's either the starter or he's inactive like that might be one where if they if they get their full complement of players, I don't know if if like Washington has that many good tight ends that they can afford that, but it does feel like if, if Logan Thomas comes back and he's healthy, he'll immediately play eighty percent of the snap and, and totally take away Ricky Seals Jones' role. So got him ranked right now, but uh, yeah, fool's gold for me. Love it, Jim. Do you got anything you want to add before I do our outro? no man i love the fact that you guys have touched on some guys that most people would end up starting like uh your dallas goddards um sorry man what's happening (laughs) uh and it hasn't just been uh been like the run of the mill i like it um the adam thielens the I I'll be honest. I loved the fact that Kyle brought up Deontay Johnson for for gold there because he's a guy that well I just love. Um, I love that you have Noah Fant in there. He's a guy I have a lot of uh, a lot of ownership in, and I'm trying to push push going forward. Dalton Schultz is a guy I have in the SFB, so I'm glad to hear that he's going to be doing some stuff. And you are right, Jarwin is on the IR, so you should see the bump for the next three games. I'm a big fan, man. I love hearing these because I also don't have to do them because I don't like doing them. I don't <laughs> like doing the starts and the sits. I like doing touchdown dances. So I like <laughs> being able to sit back and and scroll my my teams while you guys do them. And, and I listen to, and I make sure that I I was actually just popping a couple guys out of my lineups based on based solely on your gold and fool's gold recommendations there. So I'm hoping uh, that you guys steer me steer me in the right direction. Thank you, Jim. Thank you so much. We we're gonna we hopefully did our best for you. Um, you know, at least the analytics are there. You know, the the work is all there. We showed our work for it. So now all we can hope is that it's not like week nine in fantasy football. Um, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you everybody for watching. Um, make sure you rate, review, like, or subscribe wherever you're listening. And of course, on the True North Fantasy Football Network on on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of the four shows we have rolling out every single week. Thank you so much, Kyle, for coming on with us. You can follow him at Senra Says on Twitter and follow the whole full press coverage group and make sure that you check out his goal line guide. Kyle, anything you want to add? No, you said it perfectly, Connor. Uh, both of you, Connor, Jim, thank you very much for having me on. This is a great discussion. I uh, love talking with you. love sharing uh, all the insight with the viewers and listeners. And uh, go Canada, go. I I'm not sure what sport it. they're playing, but we're cheering for Canada anyway. <laughs> Doesn't matter. We just got to support Canada. Who cares? Um, make sure you follow Jim at Gold Jackie QBs. Of course, he goes bananas, even when you may not expect it. Um, and follow me at Connor10 on Twitter as well. And right above Kyle and Jim's head, you can find uh, everywhere to check out the True North crew, truenorthffb.com, at truenorthffb on Twitter, and the TNFF Network on YouTube. Um, But for now, we will see you all next Tuesday.
This is a beginning point.